Uh, good morning. Um, so I, I've been a part of Otter Creek since 1999. So there are there are many familiar faces in here, and there there are some that are not as familiar. So um, there, there are three there were were three things that I wanted to make sure that I said this morning before I start. Is sort of um, uh, sort of some disclaimers. Disclaimer is not the right word, but um, I, I can at the moment only remember two of them. So uh, I, uh, yeah, I just thought, well, maybe I, maybe that's appropriate. I don't know, but hey, I'm I'm not getting any younger. So, um, um, but I do I do remember two of them. As usual, when you're trying to remember something, as soon as you stop trying to think of it, it usually comes in your head. So um, we're going to use. Don't mind us, we're just trying to figure it out. <laughs> 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 oh, madness occurring up front here. Um, but we'll use you know words like I and we a lot in this, in this uh, presentation of sorts. And that's somewhat un unavoidable when you're describing things that are taking place. But I want to be really clear that um, this has been a journey that has, the, the words more than you can ask for more than I could ask or imagine, is really describes what has happened and what is happening. I think I can move over. Um, the, the, and we'll, we'll touch on this a little bit, but the path that this has all taken is um, in very few ways what we sought out to do. Um, yes, it involves clean water, and that's the foundation of it, but the form that it has taken and how that has played out um, in, this, in this ministry has, uh, for the most part, not looked at all like what we thought it would look like. And had we taken the path that I would have seen it 20 years ago, um, the things that would be happening are not nearly as wonderful, and um, there's a lot more happening than holes going on the ground and water coming out of a pump. And it's fair to say that we really didn't see any of those other things happening that have taken place. So there are many facets that have sort of grown from this, many partnerships, um, combining church plants with, with uh, the clean water. Um, there's, there's a long list. Uh, we've, we've, we've partnered with um, almost every other Otter Creek supported mission effort in one way or another. So um, another thing I want to say is that um, we're, we'll talk about um, we're an all-volunteer run nonprofit ministry. Um, we started as a ministry of Otter Creek. <coughs> In 2000, um, we became a registered nonprofit in 2013, and so we'll say it is true. We're all volunteer run. Um, all the donations, 100% of the donations, go to clean water, um, but that's a small part of the whole picture. Um, we work with one of the things that makes this work possible with that with that structure in place is that every country that we're active in, we have a local or multiple locals who know their cultures, they know their communities, they know, it's incredible how in touch they are with the needs and the geography and the layout of the land where they live. And we've been fortunate that God has brought us incredible partnerships with these people. And we've been able to plug this into the work that they're already doing. It's like the whole thing of go where God's already working and then do something. God has been working through all of these uh, on-ground local partners and um, we've plugged the water into it. It's been something that I don't think they anticipated being able to do, and we certainly didn't anticipate being able to plug into where they're already working, ministering to people in a multitude of ways. 
And so it makes it possible for us to operate in, in this format stateside and it supplements the good work that they're already doing um, in ways that they didn't have access to, like the financial capital for a well, for example. So I also want to say that we have been blown away. Um, Steve, a name that will be mentioned at least one more time, um, Steve connected us with an Otter Creek supported ministry called Final Command Ministries. Um, Final Command is uh, a church planting, uh, disciple making organization. Um, and we have partnered with them in a region called the Sahel, um, where Sahara turns into, uh, into sub-Saharan, where the brown turns to green, that thick line. Um, and here's where I'm going with this. Um, the guys that are on the ground that are planting churches, and they're, they're, they're bringing the gospel to many times unreached communities, and they're having historic breakthroughs of the gospel in people groups that literally people thought for centuries were unreachable. And I don't think we hear a lot about this, but there are incredible things happening. So where I'm going with this is, these guys, they don't even go to a village until they pray and they fast and they pray and they fast. And it's been remarkable to watch. Like, they don't just say, yeah, there's a place on the map, let's go there and talk to them, let's try to find a person of peace. They don't make a move until they pray and they fast. So I wanted to say all that before we get into, you know, wells and pumps and all that to say, there's a lot more going on here. Um, and God's hands are all over it, the way we've been connected to people and organizations and regions of the world we never even considered. I never thought for a moment that we would be able to work in the Sahel. I, where in the world would you begin if you wanted to drill a well in Chad? You know, um, so that's my, uh, that, that's my uh, intro to some of the things that we're going to talk about here. So I think I covered probably somehow all three. Um, but... Um, <coughs> Uh, yeah, we were founded here in 2001. Um, how many of you knew Shannon Dickerson? Wow, quite a few, quite a few. So Shannon was a friend of mine. Um, we were in the same young professionals group, um, and we had a lot of deep conversations at the time. And Shannon, um, he very much encouraged people to get outside of yourself. Um, like, if we're really going to live this out, we are called to something other than sitting in a circle and talking about it. And so he went overseas to, um, he kind of gave up a comfortable life here, was going overseas to do some mission efforts. Very soon got sick, um, didn't know what it was, came home, um, found out that he had terminal cancer. Um, Shannon was 27, so um, um, we had hope, but there were no cases on record. It was a very, very rare form of cancer. I believe there was maybe one or two people that had survived past a very short period of time. And so his focus shifted back to, it's one thing to be dying and say, I need to do something. It's another thing to have already said, you know, I'm in that trajectory. So Shannon came back and he shifted his focus and said, well, what, what can we do now? So we were sitting around one night and talking about the world and the gospel and he said, you know, guys, there's a lot of things in the world that we can't do anything about. We can't do anything about a brutal dictator over here or a war or any number of things. But there's a lot of people that don't have clean water. And that kind of seems like something you can do something about. So let's talk about that. So the next thing you know, we decided to raise um, money for two wells in 2001 um, and had a number of efforts to do that. So we raised enough money for a well in Kenya at Maiden the Streets. Um, who most of you know about, um, Street Kid Ministry. 
And then we raised um, also enough money for a well in India. Um, interestingly, there are more people in India than in any country in the world that lack clean water. Um, so those two wells went in the ground in 2001. Um, Shannon passed away in May 2002. Um, so it was a blessing that he, he did get to see those first two wells. Um, and then things were kind of quiet. Um, not a lot happened. Um, of course, we were all mourning um, his loss. And we had a yard sale, I think, the next year, raised a couple of thousand dollars, did another well somewhere. And in 2004, a couple of years later, um, I just was thinking about it and just happened to be the guy that said to some of the people in that group, you know, what if we talked about carrying this on in Shannon's memory and carrying his legacy on? This seems like a good thing. So we got together for lunch up here at oh, Applebee's or somewhere, I don't know. And... In a couple of weeks, we had a board of directors, um, very informal effort, and decided to kind of see where things would go. So um, things were, we did a well or two a year, and then in 2008, um, was it 2008, I guess, um, Steve Sherman, again, said, hey, Living Water, we're about to talk about a partnership in Guatemala um, uh, in an area called Ulpan uh, Valley. And so we're bringing some people together to sit in the office and talk about this. So I sit down, and there's a guy across from me, and it's Kevin. We passed in the hallway a number of times, um, and I knew his name, and I guess he knew my name, but we never really talked. And so I said, well, Kevin, um, what Because do you that's what you do at church. What? <laughs> <laughs> I said, you summarize church in one <laughs> Right. So I said, Kevin, what do you do for a living? And he said, well, I'm a professional water engineer. I said, well, how about that? Okay. Um, so I, what I didn't mention is um, my background, because of the, the class thing being my story, my story is that um, I never had any interest or passion at all for missions. Um, I never, um, never had any desire to go overseas or to Central America or Mexico. Missions, frankly, seemed boring to me. Um, and so uh, I somehow ended up uh, with a guy with a business background and a business job, um, business major, business job, business mentality, somehow ended up trying to get a water organization off the ground. And things were going fine. They were going well. Um, but um, anyway, I had no interest whatsoever. And in 2004, Steve said, have you thought about going to Kenya? There's a group going. And I said, well... <laughs> and I'm thinking, I, I really, I really, honestly, kind of don't want to, don't want to go. It's kind of scary, but I went because Steve asked me, and that's when a lot of things changed. So, what I'm saying is that I was very much a reluctant um, participant in the beginning of this in certain respects. So um, I was changed in my heart. I uh, all of a sudden. In me, uh, what developed was a passion for the global church a passion for um, the commonality of the body of Christ, that wherever you go, there's this incredible bond that exists, even if you don't speak the, the same language or eat the same food. And so that all of a sudden became a passion in me. So 2008, Steve gets a group together. Kevin's across from me. He says, I'm a professional water engineer. Things were pretty informal back then. I think within 24 hours, he was on our board. So um, suffice to say, that was a dramatic change in the trajectory of this work. And um, Kevin has brought to the table things that are hard to describe, frankly, um, in his expertise, his heart, 
his communication ability, um, his sense of humor. And so that was a massive, massive game changer. And I think another example of God working this tapestry. Um, can we, um, I forget what the next slides are, but I'm about to turn it over to you for playing tag team, I think. So what's... I'm just not going to tell you. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, but before, you, before you go on, it, it's been fun being the kind of resident nerd on, on the Living Water Project. But part, part of that, is, and, and, and I just, if you look at Ulita there, that was her name, Ulita. She was a neighbor of ours uh, when, uh, when my family and I moved to Guatemala. Uh, this is this is again still the the, the master the, the wizard behind the curtain Steve Sherman. We do end up moving to Guatemala and we're still not sure exactly how that happened. Me <laughs> um, either. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, but she was a neighbor of ours, and one of the water projects that we did was for uh, for her community, which was uh, a, a thirty or forty-five minute walk away from us. And, and you can notice a lot in that picture, but what you, don't, what you don't notice unless you're looking for it is how clean the water is that she's washing her hands in uh, and how clean the water is that she's drinking. And you're going to see some other pictures here in a few minutes where the water is not nearly that clean. Uh, but even wimps like me could drink, could drink that water. And it was just a little bit of sand, a little bit of concrete box, a little bit of piping, a little bit of tanks, and, uh, and some spigots. And you can make a ton of difference in the lives of people like her, uh, and and you know, flashing forward, John mentioned Living Water did a uh, did a well in 2004 and one or two in 2006 and seven. We did 130 last year. Uh, our total is at 760, uh, somewhere in that neighborhood now. It serves an average of about 500 people apiece. And so, if you're doing the math, that's 350,000 people who are drinking water like that instead of drinking water like that. Uh, and that's a picture that was sent to us just a few days ago. From Zambia. From Zambia. Yeah. Uh, where we've done 110 miles yeah. somewhere in that neighborhood. <clears throat> Partnering with a church planting organization. Uh, we would never be able to do what we're doing were they not carrying the gospel with them and having that buy-in community. These people are here to do good things. Uh, and they're, they're bringing water and they're bringing living water to us. Uh, we are dependent upon them to do that we're trying to do, uh, and it's a beautiful partnership, uh, and maybe just the way that it's supposed to be in the first place. Uh, we were we took a trip. <clears throat> Kevin and I went to Zambia in October 2019, just before the world went crazy, and um, yeah, we saw. Yeah, saying then, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 2019. Let's, no let's, let's be let's be clear, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Good good point. But we went to village after village where they had continued to go down and down, and they were literally finding any bubbling water coming up out of these pits. And, I mean, that's deeper probably than it looks. And they would scoop and hand up a chain of people of dirty water, and it was hot, it was dry. And so, speaking of, um, speaking of on-ground partners, Shadrick Sabwalu is our Zambian on-ground partner. Um, a former board member, Caroline Martin, who went here for several years, not to be confused with another Caroline Martin who goes here. She's now Caroline Martin Cormack, and she lives in Arkansas. She spent a couple of months in Zambia with the ministry that Shadrick is connected to. They were literally on the way to the airport for her to go back to the U.S. after spending two months there. And she said, oh, Shadrick, by the way, um, 
I'm on the board of a clean water organization, Clean Water Ministry in Nashville. Are there any communities around here that really need clean water? And he said, really? Um, he said, well, we should talk. So, um, so we did two. We got to know Shadrick. Um, we went through our process of getting to know each other. We usually start with a couple of wells and see how it goes. And then if it goes well, we look at doing more and expanding the partnership. So we did a two initial wells through Shadrick in 2010. And this will illustrate what we're talking about. We said, Chatter, this, this is great. You know, these wells, they're beautiful, and the people are happy, and you did, you know, everything's good. Are there other communities that you've communicated with or that you're aware of that need water? He said, yeah, I'll, I'll send you a list. The list he sent us had 110 villages on it. And I'm thinking, where would you even begin to know of 110 villages? And that just shows you how in touch with his surroundings and, the, and his people that he is. So, and yeah, we've, he's overseen um, about that number in the last 10 years. So, Kevin, you want to talk about I was that? Just, I, the, the, the problem uh, is one that we're not, we, we don't think about because you have used water today three or four or five, six times already, and you didn't think about it. And I'm not saying that as a guilt trip. I mean, I'm a water professional, and actually, I'm, I don't want it to be thought about. Whenever, whenever in the water and sewer world you get thought about, generally it's because something has gone wrong. Um, so we, we kind of like uh, like having all of our pipes buried and underground and all, all of that. So uh, that that's fine, but we just don't think about it when we take showers or brush our teeth or wash our clothes or do the dishes or what, whatever the case may be. We don't we don't think about it um, because it's literally on tap uh, and it's very in the scheme of things, very inexpensive. The, the, the people in Nairobi, Kenya, who are getting water delivered to them in a truck that may or may not be deadly, are paying 70 times per gallon what we pay here in Brentwood, Tennessee for water. Um, so it's a, it's closer to a day's wage rather than just a, I get annoyed writing this, writing this check. Um, but it, they pay 70 times what we pay here. Um, uh, so for them it's free, but you can see they're getting it five gallons at a time. That little girl will take that, that five gallon bucket, which weighs 8.34 pounds per gallon, and she'll put it on top of her head, and she will walk the hour or so back to her house, and she'll do it multiple times a day. So if you think about it, we're not just talking about health here. We're not talking about convenience here. That little girl is not spending time learning to read. She's not spending time learning how to start her own business. She's not spending time making friends, playing, doing the other things that kids should do, she's spending all of her time just trying to keep the family alive. Um, and so if you can take the good and bring the good closer to people, uh, that what better story of the gospel is there than that, right? Uh, half the world's hospital beds right now today uh, have somebody in them suffering from a waterborne illness. Uh, it doesn't get the airplay of other things out there. There are some big deal health, health things out there. I get it. Um, but for some reason, we have said that that's okay. And when when you have those chronic things that are just there, uh, I think it's the responsibility of Christians to stand up and say, we don't need to get used to this. This isn't okay for us to, 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 to do. Just because it's common doesn't mean it's okay. Uh, I think we covered most of this. We've worked in 26 different countries uh, so far. We've been on a lot of first dates in some countries and in other countries like Zambia and Chad and Liberia. Uh, we've done a lot of work and just have uh, 
unfortunately have a have a lot more to do. Uh, it's our hope that in 20 years there's no such thing as the Living Water Project. Be nice. There wasn't if there wasn't a need for that. Um, go ahead. Well, I was going to say there. You know. It, one thing about the modern era is that we're hyper aware of every ill in the world. I mean, we have delivered to our laptops or our phones everybody's grievance, everybody who's offended, every tragedy, every bad thing that's happening, and I know that that gets clicks. Um, the irony of that is that we may be convincing ourselves that the world is getting worse when actually the world as a whole is getting dramatically better. Um, estimates are that um, destitute poverty um, has improved somewhere between 40 and 50 percent over the last 30 years. That's a hard number to quantify, but even if it's anywhere close to that, that is significant. Um, the number of people lacking access to clean water and sanitation, um, despite you know great spikes in population growth, the people getting access to clean water and sanitation is outpacing the world's population growth, which is a big deal. So um, this, I believe currently the percentage of the world's population that is engaged in active conflict is the lowest in history. Steve, is that? do you know about I that? Right. I think that's right. So again, if we're not careful, we can convince ourselves that the world's going to hell in a handbasket when actually, you know, there's a lot of things that are moving in the right direction. So I find, you know, I find some solace in that. So some of these pictures, Jerry Atnev here from uh, Otter Creek took, took this picture. In Niger, in Niger, Niger. Niger. Yeah, that was a, that was a warm day. It was 114 degrees that day. Uh, the the water coming out of the ground for the first time in the village, where it's 114 degrees, and they're not going to have to walk for a couple hours to go get it, is a cause for celebration. Uh, consistently, when we travel, John and I are the worst dressed people, uh, no matter where we are. Uh, that was the case that day as well. Um, but it, it is, it, I think it is a very, uh, it, 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 it's one of those, what is the relevance of the church sorts of questions? What, what relevance is there? And, and, and I want to be clear, there are charities out there that do this sort of thing. Right? There are good charities out there that do this sort of thing. I would argue that if it's not partnered with a church with a spiritual component that there is a limited amount of success that they can have. And, and the reason for that is that in most of the world the only thing that is anywhere close to permanent is the church. If you, have, if you try to work with governments they are very, very at best temporary. Right? And, and in Niger, there, there, there's a there's a coup. It, it, uh, there's a government overthrow on a very uh, uh, you can almost set your watch by it in some countries. Uh, but even on a local level, um, uh, it, the, the the leadership changes, and, and this person seizes control. And that the only thing that, that remains consistent is a is is a, is a church. And without partnering with them, things are destined to fail. Uh, it's just it, if. If we were strictly a secular organization and we weren't bringing the news of Jesus Christ to people in different parts of the world, I would still say functionally we would want to partner with each of these organizations to accomplish what we want to accomplish. Um, because it's, they, these are the people that stick around. These are the people that stick around. Schools don't stick around. Governments don't stick around. Um, uh, other, other organizations don't stick around. 
but uh, but the church has stuck around for uh, a few thousand years, right? Despite our best efforts, it's still here, and uh, it's going to be here. It, it's going to be here, and uh, and and it's uh, it's it's very humbling to continue to be a part of that. Yeah. So uh, these are the numbers as of um, a few weeks ago, um, uh, and. Uh, I will say 26 countries, that's uh, everywhere that we've worked in total. We're currently focused um, in, in about 10 different countries um, where we're really heavily active right now. Um, it's kind of crazy to think about that pretty much every day right now in the world, somewhere there's at least one well being drilled, pretty much every day, um, which is kind of mind-boggling, I guess, considering how everything started. So uh, currently, we're very active in Nicaragua. Um, some of you remember T.J. McLeod. Um, he's our original connection down there. Um, Guatemala, of course, through the Shermans. Um, that was our original connection. And then um, Liberia, Ghana, Sierra Leone, uh, Zambia, um, Chad, Cameroon. Um, Goodness. Well, we were just in Mali. We were just in Mali three weeks ago. Mali, you know, we just started uh, new partnerships, new work in Mali. Um, who's Malawi. kind of, what's that? Malawi. Malawi, of course. Like we started in Malawi two years ago. Um, so I guess that's about 12. Um, we just started two new partnerships through Final Command Ministries. Um, we joke that they're an incredible organization with a frightening name. Um, so it's terrifying. <laughs> they get that from Jesus' final command to send out the, when he sends out the seventy-two and says, "Take the gospel and find persons of peace." They're the ones finding persons of peace. But it does sound like something that an order that Darth Vader. Would yes, do. right, right, right. But they're nothing the, like that. Or the British charge that was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we just started um, this earlier this year um, in Mali. We were just Kevin and I were in Mali three, four weeks ago. They're sort of between coups right now, unfortunately. I mean, it's uh, kind of crazy, but there are incredible things happening. We, um, we had breakfast with a girl who came to Christ six months ago. Um, she was beaten by her father. Um, she's 21, right? She's disowned from her family, beaten. Um, that girl has already started four Discovery Bible study groups. One of them is cross-cultural, meaning another tribe. And she has to use an interpreter. It's in a refugee camp. That's in six months. She started in an in a, in a area that people have considered incredibly difficult to reach. Um, there's some stuff happening. So Mali is new, northern Nigeria. Um, if I gave you uh, a list of countries and said, which of these is the most dangerous place in the world to be a Christian right now? Probably Nigeria. It might be. Um, you might choose it, but you probably, you know, there's some other usual suspects. Northern Nigeria, I believe between 80 and 90 percent estimated of the total people martyred in 2020 for, Christ, for their Christian faith, um, somewhere between 80 and 90 percent were in northern Nigeria. Um, so it's an incredibly dangerous place. We have a wonderful partner there, Mike, Mike Adigbile. Um, Mike, we're told, and we spent some time with, I spent some time with him, Kevin had to come back, but... Mike is one of the foremost authorities on the entire continent of Africa on disciple-making. And so that's our new partner. So again, incredibly blessed by that. I'd just like to add one thing. It's the thing that we always struggle with in our missions is the partnerships between Living Water and these other ministries have brought literally hundreds of thousands of people to Christ. 
and a good number of those are Muslims. Yeah. Um, it's, it's hard to communicate that because the numbers are so great, but that is the truth of the investment that these different ministries as well as Living Water's contribution have made. I was in um, Niamey, Niger two years ago for a gathering. Steve was there. We were there together. Yeah. Um, of Final Final Command Ministries church planters. And there were, what, about three dozen from the Tuareg tribe, northern moving up toward into the Sahara. Correct me if I'm wrong, I don't know that there are records of any Tuareg Christians until very recently. I think it was just the year before that or two years yeah. before that, there were like five. Right. That's total, five people. And so they yeah. were in danger of losing their lives. Right, right. And there were, I think, about three dozen Tuareg there that were becoming church planters. Um, so I'm just done. Nigeria. You know all about that, yeah. Yeah. Kevin? That's Dr. Samuel right there, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he is working in uh, Cameroon. Uh, you know, country borders don't really mean much in, in that part of the world. It's it's the Tuareg tribe, and it's, it's, it's this tribe and that tribe. So they kind of, uh, there's some arbitrary political lines that got drawn by, by people uh, back way back when. But... You know, the guy that you're looking at right there, uh, he has had people in his churches that he's planted murdered. Uh, he, he has uh, currently a price on his head. Uh, can't sleep in the same place more than a couple of days at a time. Um, uh, and he is still uh, going and planting churches and helping grow wells, uh, despite all of that. Providing medical care. Providing medical care. Uh, so to which I say, if somebody says happy holidays, let's just get over it. Right, like we're not being persecuted. We're not being persecuted. He is. He is. Uh, we need to have a little bit, a little bit thicker skin. If there's something that we have learned, uh, is that we have, we are not bringing the gospel to him. Right. He is bringing it to us. We we have so much to learn from people uh, in in these parts of the world. Listen, if we we think of ourselves as first century Christians. There's a good reason for that. Our, the whole premise is let's try to figure out what Christianity was like when Christianity was new because it was probably a little bit, they had probably some insights that we don't have anymore. Well, we are working in a laboratory right now of what Christianity looks like when people hear it for the first time. Right? And we have a lot to learn from how these people act and the enthusiasm that they have and the hope that they have and the care for each other that they have. And, and we need to relearn a lot of that. And the reason that we need to be in missions isn't necessarily to make them better over there, oh, all those poor people. It's so that we can learn their relationship with God and bring that some, somewhere back uh, uh, to what should be a restoration movement back to, uh, back to how it all started in the first place. Um, I, I, do, I do say, you know, Steve, you mentioned the, the partnerships that we have. We, Living Water is not a church planting organization, but we do water them uh, once they're planted. And, uh, and the, the Venn diagram of person of peace and public works director seems to overlap quite a bit uh, in much of the world. You find people who care about their neighbors and generally they're receptive to the, to the message of Jesus because that's kind of, the, kind of his message in the first place. And so people who maintain wells are often people who look out for their neighbors. I think I've just said most of that. Yeah, that's in Chad. 
Um, this fellow right here, um, Pastor Samba Paul, um, is our is our partner in Chad. Um, he's actually big Titans fan. Yeah, he was here. He actually uh, was here uh, a couple years ago and spoke at our dinner, and um, we had a we had a great time with him and got him a Titans jersey with his name on the back. So uh, we've gotten several pictures back with him at well dedications with his Titans jersey on. So um, he's he's a remarkable guy and uh, man does an incredible job. He's actually now kind of overseeing because of his experience. Chad, Cameroon, and Nigeria. He's sort of become the overseer of those three areas. Uh, we were just recently, uh, like John said, in, in Mali. I, I took these pictures because they're very indicative of, the, of what it looks like uh, in, in many of these places and what it has looked like for millennia uh, there. Uh, the, the, you got holes in the ground that go down about 25 feet and, and the water comes out. It's kind of hard to see how cloudy and dirty that it is right there. But th these are places where infant mortality rates are in the 20 and 30 percent range. This is, these are areas where uh, the leading cause of death is diarrhea. Um, the waterborne illnesses are endemic uh, all over. How many, how many ropes it took to cut through yeah, those? Yeah, the, the, this is hardwood and you can see that for Probably for centuries, they were just they, they were just cutting the cutting the wood that they cased the uh, cased the well there. And they I guess uh, evidently they ran out of wood on this one, and they just found a truck tire. And, and <laughs> so um, whatever whatever works, right? Whatever works. But we're replacing those with these, and uh, you can see me dem demonstrating that this is good water right there in the middle. Um, might be a little... Uh, and that it's possible to turn your face red from drinking it. Yeah. <laughs> My, uh, when you're walking around those parts of Africa, people can generally say, you ain't from around here. <laughs> they couldn't say my last name, Colvet, uh, so they called me Kolibuli, which, which means uh, big white bull. <laughs> But this is what we're replacing those with is, is uh, so solar power pump down 60 meters in the ground, pumping up to a tank, coming out to a spigot. Uh, we've done five of these? Four. Things? Four. And we but just five, five just sent a check for five more. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, so it, and that's just, a, and, and it'll serve, those will serve about a thousand people apiece. And it's just so interesting to, to stand there and watch that, that she doesn't have to, to go spend time uh, pumping, a, pumping a hand well that's literally there. She can just turn a tap uh, and it's, it's really going very well. That's some more pictures uh, from, the from the well dedications that we had uh, last week, uh, last month, uh, there in, uh, in, in the country of Mali. Not the safest place to be. Um, Don't tell your mother that. But here's the thing, though, is that when you go in these places, you go in these areas, uh, I'm going to get in trouble for this one. Lots of times governments say places are dangerous when that government isn't, isn't in control of that area. Right? That's just kind of what governments do. If we ain't in control, we can't guarantee your safety. Well, sometimes it's the exact opposite. You know, sometimes it's opposite uh, where there's excessive control. Um, but to, uh, you know, walking around with GPSs and well maintenance booklets and uh, 
and telling people when they stop at a checkpoint what you're doing, they're like, come on in. Come on. It's, it's, not, it's not a problem. It's not a problem. Uh, it's, it's a universal thing. Uh, and once, they're, once they know you're not there to overthrow, to, to coup, to, to do whatever, um, uh, it's... They'll probably try to get a bribe out of you somehow, but you know, <laughs> maybe. Yeah, but again, we're so poorly dressed. Yeah, yeah. Like these guys down. Don't from even right. try. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I can see. Like, Ooh, they stink. <laughs> so you were you, yeah. you went across the border to Nigeria. Yeah, yeah. This is uh, yeah, this is a village in Nigeria, and um, we we. Uh, the, we visited the, right before I went to the airport. We went to a village that um, I don't know how they got a drilling rig there. They I need to check back. They may have used a manual rig. We went as far as our vehicle could go, and I, I mean it was unbelievable. I don't know how we got the vehicle as far as we did. And then there were some ravines that the vehicles couldn't cross. We did that on foot through the stream, and then we walked for about a mile and a half. And then they sent a couple of motorbikes to shuttle us the last few miles to this village. And I don't, I don't know how they got there, but this is one of the brand new. We just started working in Nigeria. This is not that same village, but very, very remote territories a lot of them are in. And that's kind of our sweet spot is places that if there's going to be water, it's going to be a long time before anybody gets to it. And many of the pictures that we have from this part of the world, you will see Christians and Muslims there at the same time. At the well dedication, saying the same prayers, um, and it, it's actually, it's actually kind of, kind of, kind of beautiful to, to be a part of that. Uh, I did put some. We put some slides in uh, just because. Just th these are less than two weeks old. Uh, they were they were sent in by WhatsApp to us. The guy in the red shirt there is Shadrick that John mentioned a second ago. You can see that they are at a at a well dedication. It's kind of hidden back behind that tree right there, but Shadrick is standing there with his Bible open, uh, speaking Tonga? Probably, yeah. Uh, uh, to, to the people there um, uh, with, the, with the work that's going on in Zambia. So th that, that picture is just a, just a couple of weeks old, but that's beautiful. It's even more beautiful when you see some befores and afters of, mm -hmm. of what they're doing there. Um, and, uh, and again, you know, we, this isn't like an extreme example. We've been there, we've stood there, we've smelled it, we've seen it, we've listened to the listened to the people, uh, and and you stand there and you go, this isn't this isn't right. It's not the way it's supposed to be. It's not the way that it's supposed we to were, be. We were we were in Liberia a couple of years ago. Um, Dawn Adcock, who I had barely met at the time, came up to me. I was on praise team, and she handed me a piece of paper five years ago. She said, we we don't really know each other very well, but here's a guy you should contact. Alfred Beyond, and so I called him. Um, we formed this great partnership with Alfred, and he's overseen 50-something wells in five years. But he, he goes to places. We had reporters with us from Liberian National Radio. One, the, there were two guys. The, the main reporter said, I've been doing this 30 years. I've been reporting in Liberia. I didn't know that a lot of this was like this. He said, it's, this is so far away from what any of us have any contact with. They're going to the far, far reaches in a lot of these cases. And it's 10.43, so we probably should wrap up. And if there's any questions, I think we're almost to the end of our... We are. You want to watch our video from during yeah. the night? Yeah.
This was in Zambia a couple of, a couple of weeks ago. <clears throat> They've been drilling all day. Uh, it's, not a, it's not a quick process to go through rock like that, uh, which is why the people have to dig down by hand to, to, to go down this far to the polluted water. But if you go down 150 or 200 feet uh, and you go through what we call God's filter, uh, it's pretty good water uh, that comes up out of the ground. Um, but after uh, after drilling for all day, the, the people in this village, and I believe it's, that's the same picture that we looked at, uh, the still photo a minute ago. Um, they were they, they, they kept drilling, kept drilling, kept drilling, hit harder rock, harder rock, harder rock, uh, and the people were, were getting kind of nervous about it. But then all of a sudden they hit they hit water down in the down in the well. That's like that's probably the middle of the night. I mean, from what I remember, Shatter said that that was like. So Kenya is probably the most expensive place in the world to drill a well because you have to go so deep, like probably three times, three, three to four, if not more times deeper than most of these. So for for two wells and water towers in Kenya, and for one in Kenya and one in India, it was about twenty two thousand um, dollars. So I would guess I would think I think it's about two thirds of that was for the one in Kenya it made in the streets. Which is still providing water to yeah. the campus. That one's at thirty eight hundred. But yeah, most of these are in the you know, twenty five hundred to five thousand range. Okay, and, and I know it varies how far you have to go down depending mm -hmm. on water tables and all that stuff going on. But uh, what's what's the average depth that you they have to drill? I mean, is there an average depth? Forty, for, fifty meters. Yeah, it, it's so, it, if I if I said one hundred and fifty feet, that's going to be within one hundred and fifty feet, right? Right, right. It, it's a, it's about that. Yeah. Okay. What you want to stay away from is the shallowest of the shallow, you know, the, the twenty and thirty feet deep, because and this is gross, and I'm sorry, but that's how deep the latrines are too. Right, right. And my other question is about when you go down that far, you know, is there a, a problem or a potential of running out of water? I mean. I know water rains and it goes down, filters down, goes down. So what's you have all these wells? Is there a potential for it to run out? At some point, there 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 is where where you get into trouble with that is that generally if you're pumping by hand and you're pumping just a few, literally a few gallons a day, a thousand gallons a day. Or something, um, it, it, the, it, the 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 ground's going to recharge plenty with that. If you're near, like in the Dominican Republic, if you're near a sugarcane plantation and they're pumping thousands of gallons a minute out of the ground, that's you, you can run into some some issues there. Sure. One of the that's a great question, and one of the things that we manage as a board is 
we, we know when the dry seasons and the wet seasons are and how to plan out our, you know, we never know how much money's coming in, um, but, um, you know, we, we, try, we coordinate with dry, you know, okay, this, this area's got a wet season now for these months, and this, this season, you know, these countries are dry here, they're wet here, and vice versa, so there's a planning. And the reason is you, you want to dry in the, drill in the dry season, right? right? So, because that's going to be when the water's lower. You want to go down far enough to get it. I'm, I'm talking as if I know about this. <laughs> it's like, you know. Nobody's going to dispute that. Yeah, right, right. John, how do you know the exact location to drill in? How do you know when that drill goes down, there's water there? A, a quick funny story. We were in Zambia. We were in Zambia in 2019, and we saw the you know from start to finish with that same drilling company. And one of the, the little fella that was on the drilling crew, you know, the witching rods, the metal rods. And Kevin was like, "Man, I don't. I, I swear it doesn't work, but I've seen it work." And so we just stepped step back to watch the process. And the guy has the witching rods, and he's like, and everybody in the village is watching. He's like. And they come together, and he's like, keeps doing it, keeps doing it. And he's like, right here. And Kevin leans over to me and goes, I'm pretty sure the best place to drill would be right down by those trees. <laughs> so they drilled for about four hours, and they were like, we got nothing. And then they went again and did all this, and then they go, down by those trees. <laughs> and sure enough, like water comes out of the ground four hours later. So, um, I mean, Kevin can speak to that more, but um, you know, they do come up dry sometimes. Um, and so that's sometimes built into the cost, as you know, if you try 10 times. We, sometimes we fund hydrogeological surveys um, ahead of time to try to make sure that that's minimized in an area, but it's not perfect. Yeah. In, in some regard, you know, if you go, to, especially in West Tennessee, you know that that it, 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 you can you you'll hit good water at a certain depth, and you've got the layers of the cake there, and and so in this part of of uh, of Crockett County, it's gonna you're gonna go down this far, and then you go over a couple miles, and you're still gonna go down that far. Well, that's the same way in Zambia and Chad as well. <coughs> Once they've done one, it's kind of copy paste, and sometimes it varies a little bit. But uh, but if you're working in the same general area, um, you can you can have some degree of confidence that it's going to be close to the same. But your your name means the kind one, so you could be the kind big white. <laughs> I'm working on that. I'm working on that. It, 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 unfortunately, I, I seem to be more bold than anything. <laughs> I think I have a new phrase for digging wells. Dig a well, save a hernia. <laughs> that to be a place that has that's, to repair all those things. That's true. Don's done a lot of those yeah. surgeries. Five yeah. miles is nothing for them to have to carry five gallons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they have a lot of hernias. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I at a campground. I stayed at a campground in Arkansas, and about a couple of months ago, there was a couple came in there from Colorado, and they told me that. State of Colorado was running out of water, hmm. and they they said that they passed a law. Now this is what they said: that you now cannot drill the water well on smaller than 40 acres hmm. in the state of Colorado. Wow, Kevin, are you aware of this? Yeah, yeah. You can have the ground, but that doesn't mean that you own the water underneath it. Hmm. Okay, yeah, yeah. Wow. Hmm. 
Yeah, it's, I mean, water is a zero-sum game, right, in, in, in the totality of the planet, but it's a matter of getting it where it needs to go in the right quantity. So that's where people like Kevin come in. Yeah. So when you drink your glass of water today or flush the toilet, thank the uh, guys that make all of that. Yeah, when you flush the toilet, think about me. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else? Yeah. Hi, um, my name is Teresa Scotsman. I don't know many of you, but I will say that um, I'm just really blessed to have been here this morning. And I, I have a new perspective today because I'm in a Bible study group with Kevin's mom. Mm. And the laughter and the exciting stories and the joy of the Lord that I hear from her mm. about her mission mm. with her husband, Kevin's dad, um, it's just, it just didn't start with Kevin. Mm. So all of, all of us who have talked about the Lord around small children, we don't know that they will grow up to do more and more. So I want to I honor Kevin's legacy. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for saying that, yeah. It's the giant coolie body. Yeah. <laughs> You better be good. <laughs> <laughs> well, anything else? Thank you very much for, for that for saying Thank you that. So much. Yeah.